We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. All right, we wanted to start this podcast with a quick conversation on things that were happening in the world and uh, where we stand on it. And uh, it feels like this uh, got almost a little more personal because uh, just now on Twitter, I saw a video of a 75-year-old man get pushed over by the police. And it turns out that happened somewhere where Sam actually works covering the news or close enough to you, Sam, that it is considered a local news story. So this has gotten uh, even closer to home for us than um, it is before. Of course, it's as close as it can be for many, many people all over the world and specifically in the United States. But Sam, you saw that video of that old man getting shoved over uh, and that's something you have to cover, right? Yeah, I do want to point out I'm not a reporter that's not what my day job is, but it is it is working for uh, a news station. I am I do work in the media. We don't talk about it a lot, but that is my day job. Um, and it's it's unfortunate, Mike, but I think it speaks to what has been going on in this country nationwide um, for far too long. I can't say that I have anything particularly insightful to add to the topic of of police brutality, other than obviously that I'm thoroughly against it. That that the acts that I've seen online have have disgusted me. But I, I think, you know, as I think about some of the discourse that, that we've seen online, um, someone sent me, I've been trying to stay off of social media as much as possible, but someone sent me a tweet by Amin El Hassan that, that really resonated with me. I don't always agree with his opinions about the Phoenix Suns uh, specifically, but on this, I, I thought he was really spot on. Um, as we talk about sports media and, and looking at the people who cover sports media for us, um, as all of us are sports fans, um, he essentially said, this isn't a direct quote, but he essentially said that if you are a person who makes their livelihood through covering a primarily black sports league, which is the NBA, or other forms of primarily black culture, uh, and your first instinct with all of the numerous video evidence that we have out there 
um, of events in the past couple of weeks of police instigating. Um, if your first instinct is to focus on things like the destruction of property, uh, rather than try to listen to the message that's actually being conveyed out there um, and, and the destruction of black lives ultimately, then you have your priorities way out of order. Um, and, and for me, you know, just with looking at other members of the media uh, who cover the NBA, what I think what's been interesting to see is kind of how many people have been covering the NBA for years and years uh, and have only sort of revealed their true colors in the past couple of weeks, in the past week or right. two. Right. Yeah, we thought it was important to just make the point to start this podcast that we support the Black Lives Matter movement. Black lives do matter. Police brutality against black people needs to end. It's something that it's impossible to deny at this point. There's evidence of it everywhere. People are dying that do not need to die. The police are acting like some sort of military against the people and they should be serving us, all of us, uh, regardless of race. And, uh, you know, like you said, Sam, it's, it's, we're not leaders, you know, we're not leaders in this conversation. Um, we're sort of doing our best to, to support in the ways that we can. And we encourage you, anyone who listens to this, to do that as well. But it's important to remain focused in this conversation. And that focus should always be that people are dying that should not be dying as a result of what the police are doing. And that's what's important to us. And that's why we wanted to start this conversation uh, with that. Um, I apologize if we're not the most eloquent uh, when it comes to this conversation. I wish that we were better in this, but we still felt it was important to at least talk about it a little bit at the beginning of this podcast. You have any other thoughts, Sam? Uh, if you don't like listening to this, uh, then you can fuck off, yeah, I guess, I is, is kind of important to say, you know. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's great. Hey, I think it's great that the Suns are coming back. We're going to spend the rest of the episode talking about that because we both fucking love the Phoenix Suns. But it, yeah, it was important to to get this off our chest yeah. first. I will say too, I'm grateful for Blue Wire and, and their support of us saying whatever we want to say regarding this this topic. Uh, and also Blue Wire as a podcast network has donated $5,000 to uh, different charitable causes Um to try and help this movement as much as possible. So shout out to them for doing that as well. We encourage you to donate if you can. Um, and I guess that's all we have to say about this for now. Uh, let's get to talking about basketball. All right, welcome to the timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast. I appreciate everyone for listening. Obviously, we took a little bit of time off here to try and figure out uh, what to talk about, uh, but also because there was a lot of things going on in the world that w it, it made it a little hard, a little difficult, I think, for me personally to want to record a podcast about sports. There has been enough that has happened regarding the NBA, regarding <laughs> the Phoenix Suns. Now, we probably have to talk about it. I think... Um, the NBA is coming back. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. I know you guys know us. Sam, how are you doing? Hey, fine. Um, I, yeah, basically, we're at the point where it's like, you know, how can we call ourselves Suns super fans if we don't talk about the Suns <laughs> coming back? You know, the Suns are yeah. coming back. Uh, and, a, and a lot of news broke 
uh, over just the past couple of days. I feel like we've been kind of sitting on our hands, Mike, uh, wondering when this when I knew we we knew the vote was going to happen today, but we didn't know exactly when we were going to have enough content to, you know, like to talk about for a full episode. There is plenty of stuff to cover here. Um, and if you happen to miss any of the details, don't worry, because we got you covered on how the NBA is coming back in this episode. Yeah, I think. I should probably explain that. This is, are you ready for me to talk for like five minutes, Sam? <laughs> um, all set for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is per Woj and ESPN, uh, which of course ESPN is directly related to this plan because it's happening at Disney World and ESPN is owned by Disney. There is a plan for 22 teams to go to Orlando, 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams. They will go to Orlando and play Eight games, eight regular season games each. The plan is for this to start July 31st. Official games starting July 31st. There's a lot that is going to happen between now and then, including a sort of uh, training camp, I guess you could call it, uh, where the teams actually do get together and practice uh, getting ready for the season. These games will be at Disney World. They will have no fans Uh, So it'll just be entirely for television purposes. The rumors are that it'll be five games a day with each team at least playing once back-to-back. The season will span July 31st to October 12th. Uh, The draft lottery will begin August, or take place, I should say, August 25th. And the uh, October 15th is the 2021 season coming to an end is what they expect so somewhere around then it'll end and then the drafts happening sometime after that sometime in october is the rumors uh this was all voted on by the board of governors which is essentially the owners of the nba teams there was only one team that voted against it kind of interestingly the trailblazers uh voted against it and uh but it's happening the Rumors were at first 16 playoff teams, and then it expanded to 18 teams to try and get some teams that were on this sort of uh, brink of making the playoffs, depending on how the rest of the season played out. It expanded to 20 teams, and then at the very end, it expanded to 22 teams. Turns out that 22nd team to make it in there uh, was the Phoenix Suns. So now the Phoenix Suns are back. The NBA is back, and the Suns are somehow playing games in this weird world that we're in, uh, including basically eight games and a chance, I'm going to use that in, in very big air quotes, a chance at making <laughs> the playoffs because the way it works is <laughs> if you are within two games of the eighth seed, there will be a play-in tournament for those games. The, eight per, the team that's in the eighth seed only has to win one game in that play-in tournament. If the ninth seed beats the eighth seed twice in a row, they become the eighth seed. Does that make any sense at all to use him? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I saw somewhere, I saw that the Suns posted some sort of video with reference to the odds 1 in 10,000. Do you know where those came from? No, uh, it seems kind of, I don't know. Doesn't it? I just thought it was like a nice round number. That they it is a nice there. round number. I, well, the reason I ask, I, try, I tried to work it out myself, um, putting a little math to the test. I, I wasn't really sure how to approach this in like a true scientific way. More, I was kind of just memeing around on my own. Um there's there's this very simple probability notion called the the binomial distribution. It's like the first thing you learn in a probability class, um, where if you have like the Suns have eight games coming up, 
we're going to go into exactly who those eight games are. But I think the reasonable assumption is that because the Suns were one of the last teams to make it into the cut, they're the underdog going into all of these games, even if it's at a neutral site, except for maybe one of those teams, which we can talk about. But for the most part, on average, they're an underdog. So I went with the idea of, let's say the percent chance of the Suns winning any of these games is 40% against any of these teams. You've got teams like mm-hmm. the Clippers in there, Dallas, uh, you know, some teams it's more than 40%, some teams it's less. But if they're an overall underdog, let's say it averages out to 40%, using that thing, the binomial distribution, um, the chance of winning all eight games in a row. Basically, imagine you had like a, you were doing a coin flip, but it was rigged to one side so that it was 60-40 instead of 50-50. Uh, I came up with six out of 10,000. So slightly better odds than the one in 10,000, <laughs> the even number in that in that video. But the point being, still not great. Uh, and, and so, yeah, this we're in it. We are going to talk about the Suns should have a strategy going into that game um, and gun as hard as they possibly can because these are now the most important games of Devin Booker's career. But if they drop that first game, it's probably over. It's probably over yeah. right there. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's an important point to make because um, I think I was just listening. I was dialed in, I should say, to the Solar Panel podcast. Shout out to them. Uh, very interesting conversation they were having there, but Zach Lowe was getting some heat there because Zach Lowe said, are the Suns in this basically to tank? And uh, <laughs> they were giving him a hard time there uh, <laughs> because they were like, why would why would they tank? Now, quickly, I'm going to cover what the schedule would be based on rumors and a report by Vince Goodwill, uh, who covers the Bulls. He's kind of an NBA reporter, been around for a long time. Uh, he said that the teams will play out the scheduled games against the teams that are in the bubble with them. The bubble is the sort of catch-all conversation for this idea of these players who will all be sort of quarantined to Disney World, uh, trying to not let them leave as much as possible to keep them as healthy as possible with Can they regular really testing. enforce that is the question that is on my mind. I think, first of all, I think this is te- a terrifying concept, a, dis- <laughs> a weird dystopian uh concept that feels like something that happens in like the hunger games or uh some sort of uh, i don't know some sort of weird dystopian novel or movie every state Uh, sends their representative basketball players to the bubble bubble. yeah (laughs) and and it's hosted by Uh, charles barkley or something oh my god it it all feels very weird and it also feels it, it, it does feel a little bit, and I'm not going to dwell on this because ultimately we're going to have to talk about the basketball that happens, but it feels like the NBA being a little bit cavalier with the health and safety of the people involved, uh, especially sending 22, that's almost the entire league, <laughs> 22 teams total, including the Suns who have a minuscule chance of making the playoffs. If they were to play out the games the way Vince Goodwill said, uh, that would be Dallas, Clippers, Dallas, Pacers, Washington, Philadelphia, Miami, Oklahoma City. Yeah, so clearly clearly the team that I was talking about that they can easily beat um, are the Clippers. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's Washington. Washington is the standout team there. Washington's not very good. Doesn't mean they can necessarily beat them, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they didn't get totally boned here or anything. It's not like uh, you have to play Milwaukee or the Lakers. I mean, I'll, I'll, granted, the Clippers are a good team. Uh, but Dallas, Indiana, Philly, Miami, Oklahoma City, given that the entire pool is full of playoff teams, I guess those are fair playoff teams to to draw out of a hat. Yeah. I mean, it, here's it's it's a complicated thing where it's it's going to be really hard. Let's say what do you think the best case scenario for the Suns in this 
these eight games could possibly even be uh what five and three <laughs> well no the uh, best case scenario is they go eight and oh they win two straight against the grizzlies whoever's in the eighth seed they become a new form of the we believe warriors they unite the entire world and and racism uh not to mention winning the 2020 <laughs> winning the 2020 chip um and aaron baines is mvp that's the best case scenario um but i think no the the realistic best case scenario who knows, man? There's a lot of there's a lot of confidence now that uh, Kelly Oubre is probably going to play. A lot of confidence yeah, that that five man lineup can mesh. Another rumor. Uh, this is not an official not report, but it's, it's almost as official as it gets. But it came from Robert Sarver in, in an interview on ninety eight point seven today. He says that Kelly Oubre should be healthy to play. Uh, there were some sort of weird reports from James Jones that both Frank and Kelly were healthy, but there was no, they were cleared to play reports and technically there still aren't um, at least some, not anything that I would count yet. Uh, I want to see, I don't know, some sort of tweet from Kelly or something that actually confirms this, that saying the doctors have now cleared him to play before I'm fully confident in that. I do hope that that does happen though. Uh, but just to quickly explain what it would take for the Suns to make the playoffs, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, I'm going to apologize for this already because it's it's going to bum people out a little bit. Let's just say the Suns went seven and one. I'm just going to give them that seven and one. That is already kind of crazy. I'm not going to make everyone listening to this podcast go back and look at the last ten games the Suns played before uh, the season ended. But it's You're not making gonna, me do it right now. <laughs> it's not. Let's just say it's not going to make you confident <laughs> that, that they're going to go seven and one. So this, just just to even, I hate to do this, but just to say this, 7-1 and one would be the best stretch of Devin Booker's career as far as wins go. The second Literally. to last game we played before the season ended, we beat the Bucks. Well, that's great. <laughs> and that's, po- you know, that's possible that they, luckily they don't have to play the Bucks, but maybe that's a team that they should have wanted we, to we play. We dropped like four games before that, though. <laughs> if the Suns went 7-1, and one, their win percentage record would be 45.2. In order to leapfrog the rest of the teams, the Spurs would have to go five and three. So the Spurs could could still have a winning record, and the Suns would leapfrog them if they were uh, if they actually were seven and one, <laughs> which is kind of funny to even think about. The Kings, the Pelicans, and the Trailblazers would all have to be four and four or worse. So they would have to uh, win half their games or lose more than a half their games. So they'd have to have a losing record. Um, in order to leapfrog the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies would actually have to go 0 and 8. So just to get to that actual spot, and if, maybe this is why they calculated it at this 22 is, teams. That actually makes a lot of sense, yeah. So they would have to go 0 and 8 for the Suns to be there. So say the Grizzlies just won one game, <laughs> which I think they're going to win at least one. Uh, there's my prediction. The Suns would then also have to beat the Grizzlies twice in a row. So the entirety of this is not in their hands. Even if the Suns were to go 8-0, and there are scenarios where teams could lose games and still be ahead of them. Well, maybe that's uh, where the uh, 1 out of 10,000 thing comes in. You know, It's 6 out of 10,000 just the chance that the Suns can win the games in the in the first place. But yeah. then, as you were saying, their entire fate is not in their own hands. That's where the rest and, of the kind of probability is. And here's why somebody like Zach Lowe mentioned that are the Suns even just in this essentially to tank. The lottery odd positions 
are not locked in based on the end of the season. That means that the games that are played for the rest of the season, this bubble season, are actually going to affect the lottery odds going forward. So say the Suns lose their first game, and I'm not rooting for this, obviously, but say the Suns lose their first game against Dallas. That means that in order to have almost any chance at all of even being in that play-in tournament at the end of the season, they would have to win every single one of the rest of their games. And their first two games are against Dallas and the Clippers. So that means that they lose against Dallas, and now they're up against the Clippers, who may be title favorites at this point. Uh, say they lose against the Clippers, what's the point of them winning the rest of those games if there's absolutely if they're already mathematically eliminated from <laughs> making the playoffs at this point? Which is possible. It's also not possible, depending on because it's out of their hands, depending on how other teams perform at this point of the season. There is a chance that two games into this bubble season, it, it's not that important for them to be there. And that's this is why, in a lot of ways, I feel like, why are they there at all? <laughs> in some ways. It will be fun to watch basketball again. I'm conflicted in this scenario, right? I want to see the Suns uh, win. I want to see them do well. But I also want to see them be healthy. And that includes the training staff that includes the coaches that includes the general managers, anybody that's there that is at risk of, of being sick. I want them to be as healthy as possible. So I'm, I'm very conflicted at this entire plan, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're taking it as we go along and a lot of it is kind of nonsensical, but that's the era that we live in. I think coronavirus in, in this based on what has happened in the past couple of weeks um coronavirus has kind of gotten away from a lot of people as a like you know it's not necessarily perceived as a threat so much anymore but i think it's going to become very real again um for nba fans on june 22nd because that's the day that all players who are reporting to the bubble have to get tested they have to get tested even before um you know they they can report to camp or do anything else report to their own local teams um so that's that's only 2 weeks from now and if we recall, you know, Rudy Gobert was asymptomatic. A lot of the NBA players who did test positive initially were asymptomatic. You have to wonder what's going to happen two weeks from now when everyone gets tested. It seems to me that if you're testing all the players, um, all the trainers, all the coaches, all the, I don't know if front office representatives are, are going to be in attendance. Has that been confirmed? Do we know? Uh, no, there, there, there's a big uh, debate a big happening limit. currently about how they're going to do this with the, with people I, that could be at risk. I feel like there's no point for a GM to be there, but maybe they want to be on the bus. I don't know. Um, but you kind of think there's there's like a good chance that someone's going to test positive on, on June 22nd, right? If you're yeah. testing a few hundred people before they head to that bubble, there's a good chance that one of them is already infected. Decent chance. Yeah. Not not an amazing one. But but we've got 2 million confirmed cases so far in the U.S. and a lot more that, that weren't confirmed. Um, based yeah, on lack and, of testing. So, you know, you got to think there's a chance that that happens. Does that send the entire league into a state of chaos? Um, <laughs> and does confidence dwindle in the NBA's plan and ability to kind of maintain order at that point? Yeah. Uh, I, there was a moment in the Zach Lowe podcast uh, that I listened to today where he just sort of let it slip that he thinks that 5% of the NBA tested positive that tested uh, w- just earlier in this season, which is a huge number. That's like a really big number. Uh, that makes you wonder, how did the ones who did test positive, how were those reported and the others weren't? Yeah, I think it was at the discretion of the individual people that tested positive. That, that'd that be my guess. I'm just guessing, of course, in this scenario as well, but uh, that's what I would guess. Um, so, so it's a weird scenario where the NBA has so much to juggle in this where they have to figure it out and if something, if any sort of tragedy strikes, 
it's going to be very bad, 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 bad for them and for anyone else involved, of course. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. I, I'm excited to see basketball once again, just a little nervous. Um, speaking of basketball, though, what do you think of this, this eight-game eight game schedule, Dallas, L.A., Dallas, Indiana? This is kind of the weird part for the Suns where being that 22nd team, they are now playing teams that all have better records than them, and that's it. Uh, it is still, I think, possibly a better chance of making the playoffs than they were facing had they actually completed the entire season. <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely true. But now it's like these are all playoff teams, essentially, yeah. every single one except well, Washington. Look, we have to. Here's the unfortunate thing. So we have to break it down game by game because, as we already pointed out, if the Suns have to go eight and zero or at least seven and one, Oklahoma City and Miami, those are the last two games. Those don't matter unless you win the first six first. Okay, so you got to take it one game at a time. Well, right. here's the problem with that: the first three games. First of all, the Clippers game number two are really fucking good. But even beyond that, Dallas, the Clippers, and then Dallas again. Problem with that is. I was looking at the standings again today for like the first time in two months, and we yeah. forget the second seed and the seventh seed in the Western Conference are separated by only four games. Yes. The Clippers have won 54 games. Dallas is the seventh seed. They've won 50 games already. They were on pace. Um, or Sorry, I'm, I'm lying right now because I'm not looking at the standings. Dallas has not already won 50 games. They were on pace for 50 wins in a full season is what I was thinking about. And I will have to pull up the actual standings. But the point is the second seed and the seventh seed were only separated by four games. And Dallas, even though they were in the seventh position right now, is still a very good team. And given that they're in the seventh seed right now and they're only a few games back, these eight games matter for them in a way that they might not necessarily matter for you know, say the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference. So they're going to yeah. take these games seriously out of the gate because they're vying for better playoff positioning. Uh, right. So those first three games, the Suns don't go anywhere unless they rattle off three in a row, two against Dallas and one against LA. And all three of those games, you already know going into it that those teams are actually going to be trying. And the point differential, we'd like to talk about point differential and how that differs from the actual records. Dallas should be a lot better based on their point differential. I think they have the third best in the Western Conference. So being the seventh seed, they could get a lot better. Now, home it's, court um, advantage no longer exists. Just to correct exists. myself, Clippers had 44 wins. Dallas had 40. I said 54 and 50. That's, that's right. where that was. Right. So it's, it's right there. It's not that far away. Eight games can make a huge difference here. Uh, and like I said, home court advantage no longer exists exists at least as we know it there's some rumors that the nba is mulling over some ideas of how to give some sort of advantage to the higher seeds but uh, i i doubt that that's going to happen those all seem like really bad ideas but there could be some sort of jockeying for position there could be teams that are trying to play other teams in the first round to try and make it a little bit easier uh, of a schedule going forward like maybe the uh maybe the mavericks would rather play okc than they play the Clippers. I don't know. Something like that could happen where they're trying to, to uh, win games to specifically change who they're playing in the playoffs. It's a weird thing where we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, how hard the players are going to be trying. We don't even know if the coaches are going to be sitting on the benches yet. There's still a lot to figure out uh, going forward. But I, 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 you know, it's, it's a tough uh, schedule for the Phoenix Suns going forward. It's still going to be really interesting, especially with Kelly Oubre being back. How healthy will he be? Will he be able to start right away? Frank Kaminsky being back. This will be, weirdly, I believe, only the second time outside of the first game, which technically Ty Jerome uh, was not healthy for, and maybe even not Cam Johnson as well. No, I think he hurt himself after that. 
I think it'll only be the uh, second or third time that everyone will be fully healthy and available, assuming those two guys are actually available to play. So it'll be nice to see them against teams like that where they're actually at full strength again. Hmm. Uh, you know, We'll see if they're all actually in shape. Yeah. Who do you think, out of all the players, who do you think is the most likely to show up out of shape uh, on the Suns? Uh, are people going to be mad at me if I say DeAndre Ayton? I thought the same thing, and I actually have no idea why I thought him because he's always been in good shape. Like he's, you know, he oh, has man. struggled with conditioning. I think there's there's something about big men who get to the NBA as rookies that happens a lot, uh, where they struggle with conditioning. Uh, but that was my first thought as well, <laughs> for some reason. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we have a lot more to talk about, including some new practice facility stuff. So that should be fun. We'll be right back. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, we're back. I do want to mention real quick, something very cool happened before we uh, took our little break before this podcast here that I wanted to give a shout out to a company called Wild Tonic. Wild Tonic is a kombucha company that is local in Arizona. They actually uh, are from Cottonwood, Arizona. It turns out that somebody high up in the Wild Tonic company is a fan of the Phoenix Suns and, and somehow a fan of our podcast, Sam, and what they did, very nice to us, is sent us a bunch of kombucha to try. Uh, and it's very different from regular kombucha. And I have, I actually have saved this. I have not yet tried kombu- this kombucha yet. I've kept it in my fridge. I wanted to try it right now. You've already tried it, right? Yeah, I had the, um, they sent us a whole sampler. Thank you so much to Wild Tonic. Um, but they, they sent us a whole sample pack. I tried their mango ginger flavor, um, and it was really good. I, That's I what think, I have right now. I have a can of that. Apparently, it comes in cans now. This is new, too, so I'm going to open it right now. I think what I liked about it was um, that it's made with... <laughs> I think what I liked about it was that it was made with uh, honey. Yeah, it's That's, definitely different. Yeah, definitely they, different. They told us they're, they're, they're very nice to us, and they, they actually reached out to us, and they, they treated us very well, but they also told us that they're looking to try and get athletes to try and drink this because it's way better for you than Gatorade. So I'm going to try it right now. Yeah, see, personally, as a non-athlete, what sold me when they reached out to us was... Uh, oh, that's that, good. Was, ...was that they're making a hard version. Um, I'm not yeah. much... I'm not usually much for a healthy drink type of person, but I will take all the alcohol I can get. So shout out again to Wild Tonic. Um, yeah. I have not tried their hard version of kombucha, but um, I would love to in the future. Okay, that legit tastes like honey. I'm going to put some vodka in this as soon as we're done, by the way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, so shout out to them. Thank you to them. Um, support them. They're Suns fans. They support us. They support the Suns. Shout out to them. All right, we have some more to talk about with this season coming back. You had something you wanted to talk about, Sam. What's up? 
Uh, yeah, so we're approaching game one of this eight-game stretch as the most important game of Devin Booker's career, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Because it matters, right? Yeah. There are stakes. Because it matters. Yeah, so like you, here's my thing. You mentioned Frank Kaminsky earlier. <clears throat> cool. I, that's cool, I guess. But like we need, we need to talk about what is the actual rotation for the Suns going into this game. Because the way I, here's the way I see it. I'll just start off with that and then I'll let you, I'll let you kind of rattle off your opinions Mm -hmm. is uh, we need to approach this like a a game seven of a series every single game. Mm -hmm. And so stick with what works, what we know works based on a limited sample size, but we more or less know it works uh, is that starting five, the Valley boys, as we talked about, I think two weeks ago, our last episode, Ricky Rubio, Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, uh, Kelly Oubre, assuming he's healthy and Deandre Ayton. Your bench, that's kind of been our problem all season long. I think you can get away basically with approaching this. And I know it sucks because you don't want anyone to get injured and you don't want to risk burnout. But I don't think the Suns can afford to play anything other than like a seven to eight man rotation uh, at most in these eight games. Mm-hmm. Let Aaron Baines, he can play off the bench. Dario Saric, he's, he can make an impact. He can play. Cam Johnson, you need some spacing. Everyone else... Sorry, you know, apologies to Javon Carter, who's an impending free agent. Apologies to Frank Kaminsky. He's coming back from an injury um, and might also be an impending free agent. He's got a team option. You know, apologies to Ty Jerome, all these guys. But I don't think you can really afford to play anyone else. Suns drop that first game against Dallas or drop two games in a row against Dallas and uh, L.A. Sure, play whoever the hell you want. But going in, I think we can agree you need to maximize, optimize your lineup to be the most successful. It's only going to be successful, unfortunately, and this is why the Suns aren't that good of a team yet, if you focus on your key six or seven, maybe eight guys. If Kelly Oubre is cleared, fully healthy, cleared to play, uh, obviously he's in the starting lineup right off the bat. We saw that starting lineup. Uh, there was a Zoom call. Like The, the Suns have, have maintained a, a pretty good relationship with the media throughout this uh, break in play. And there was a Zoom call, I believe, with um, James Jones and Monty Williams where they talked about uh, how they've studied the numbers and they actually have seen how that starting lineup uh, has done and they understand the net rating there. And of course they do that. But I think a lot of times, sometimes head coaches don't want to see that. They want to trust their gut a little bit. So I think they definitely know now. They've acknowledged it publicly. Um, they know that this this is actually working regardless of how it looks where it's just two smaller guys and they don't have a traditional power forward. And I use that in quotes. So I think that starts right away. And of course the backup center has to be Baines. I think right off the bat, I think you have to play Baines and I think you're right. Cam Johnson plays and maybe gets uh, Saric in there too. I think Saric, uh, he's done pretty well on the court with Deandre Ayton. Now, of course you guys all know, I think he's more of a backup center at this point as well. And I think you could get him minutes at center as well. Uh, but I think you do have enough leeway there to play him. The the tough part, as it always is, is those backup point guard minutes and how they juggle what they're going to do with Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. And do they allow Devin Booker to be the point guard when Ricky Rubio is off the floor? Right, they have to. Under under the system that I'm proposing, you just have to. You're not playing Ricky Rubio 48 minutes. Ricky Rubio has been averaging like 32 minutes a game this year. He's not typically the type of point guard who's a workhorse. He's great at what he does, but he's not that workhorse that goes out there for 38 to 40 minutes per game. Maybe he could kind of assume that role um, under a playoff schedule in playoff games, but even then you're still left with 10 minutes of backup point guard that need to be filled by someone else. And it's just a fact 
uh, that Devin Booker needs to fill those minutes. We've heard Monty Williams in the interim period since the season ended. He has said something to the extent of, I'd be curious about experimenting with more minutes right. uh, with Devin Booker, a point guard. That doesn't yeah. mean the Suns might not you know, still go out, target a point guard in the draft to back up Ricky next year, target a free agent who can back up Ricky next year in a competent way. But right. going into these games, yeah, Devin Booker has to play, you know, Devin Booker's probably going to play 40 minutes a game, maybe even more. Um, if they actually do mm-hmm. what I'm proposing, he plays mm-hmm. maybe 10 of those minutes at back a point guard. So who fills in the rest of the minutes at shooting guard? It's probably going to be either. Uh, well, it's probably got to be Mikhail Bridges. Maybe Cam Johnson can slide up to play that. Yeah. But it's probably Mikhail. Um, yeah, probably Mikhail. Wow. The guard. It's been a long time since you and I have had to talk about the dismal guard rotation <laughs> outside of Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. I have not missed that conversation. I'll say that uh, as much as I missed basketball and the, the world as it was. Uh, I don't miss talking about Elia Kobo minutes <laughs> yeah, or you, even Ty Jerome's disappointing minutes. and That's exactly what I'm talking about. Elia Kobo, see, I even forgot to say his name. I, I brought up Ty Jerome before I brought up Elia Kobo. And I used to have a lot of faith in Elia Kobo, and I, I think Elia Kobo's a great guy. I, I hope he puts it together. Um, but if you want to win, Elia Kobo doesn't touch the floor. He can't. Yeah touch yeah, the floor i'm sorry you know elia kobo has shown me flashes before of being this uh you know remember when he came into the league and you made that video i just distinctly remember you yeah. making a video about elia kobo's step excited. back three yeah about his step back three like that's specifically and he what shoot it was it. and he doesn't <laughs> shoot it um, he just he's, doesn't. he's shown flashes of being a slashing point guard but that step back three isn't there He's yeah. shooting sub 30% from downtown and has been his entire career so far. To his credit, maybe I have, I'm not looking at a stat page right now. Maybe he was a little better um, from distance this year. but uh, He's afraid to shoot it, though. I think that's the part that I think is, yeah. is odd with him is he's totally lost confidence in that shot. Well, you know what's funny? Um, I, I did see one of the last things I saw on Twitter before I kind of pieced out for a little while. I saw that you're a Killian Hayes fan now. Um, based yeah. on his step back, th- <laughs> step back three. I think he has <laughs> more of one based than on Ellie that. did. Okay. Uh, well, I think that with Killian, I think it falls more into uh, the sort of evolving uh, position I've taken on drafts where the players that are the better defenders uh, coming out of the draft seem to be the players that are uh, consistently get better earlier in their careers for whatever reason. This is sort of a belief that I'm working on in my mind. And it just seems like guys like that, like someone like Mikhail Bridges, or we talked about uh, Vassell as an example. Um, those guys just seem to work really hard and get better. And uh, if they have sort of offensive capabilities, the way Killian does, his passing is great. He's he's actually a lot like Ricky Rubio. I think something we've talked about before. Uh, I just feel like he'll get better. He he doesn't have like broken mechanics yeah. as far as shooting. I, just I like feel him like, too. Yeah. I like him too. To be fair, they're saying the same things about Denny. Um yeah. Out of uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, that he's a really hard worker. I hate him as a prospect. Yeah, but the stats are a lot better for Killian. No, the stats are the stats are <laughs> yeah. far and away better for Killian. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, we were talking about Ellie. We were talking about a different international player in this case, Ellie Kobo. Yeah. I've got nothing against international players, but uh, yeah, Ellie cannot touch the floor. <laughs> Bottom line, if yeah. you want to win these games. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I agree with that. And I think this is why I really hope the Suns win some games like to, to start off. And I think that they might. I think that, well, first of all, they've beaten the Clippers before, but that could be a completely different team. But also DeAndre Ayton turns into like a monster against Dallas uh, because he sort of understands that pressure of being the number one pick and the comparisons to Luka Doncic. So I think there's a good chance they can win against Dallas, even both of those games. 
um, just because of what he can do against those teams. But also, I think what you're talking about is what makes this fascinating. It being the most important games in Devin Booker's career, we get to see him with that level of focus and with that kind of understanding. We get to see the rotation shortened up enough, hopefully. We don't know what Monty's going to do. Hopefully, we get to see that rotation shortened up enough, assuming, by the way, that they're all healthy and Kelly Oubre can play his regular minutes right off the bat, which is not really something that we can make an assumption for Right. right away here. Uh, but say that they they are everything sort of works out in the favor of Suns fans. We can kind of see what they'll look like, assuming they actually make the playoffs next season. For example, uh, that would be a fascinating thing to see. And I, I don't want this to fall apart quickly. So at the very least, some wins right off the bat, and then we can see where they take it from there. Uh, as as the odds are sort of stacked against them, at least we get to see something to start off here. That first game will definitely be fascinating uh, to see what they're like with that shortened rotation. But yeah, that'll be really interesting. And and I don't know. I, I really don't know what to expect from Monty. This is kind of the time where we reach out to some of our friends that uh, cover teams that Monty has coached on before. I guess the New Orleans uh, would be the best example uh, to reach out to like Schmidt and ask him what he was like in the playoffs because they had one playoff series. Uh, I don't think Schmidt. I love Schmidt, um, I, and I think he gives great analysis. I don't think Schmidt would have great things to say <laughs> about well, Monty's time coaching in the playoffs. Well, he surprisingly was um, nicer than I thought when we had him on the podcast, and I think he knew his audience. But here's um, here's the thing, though, is that you know I think that was useful. That analysis was certainly useful, but. We're at the point now where we could admit Monty Williams is so different. Uh, um, what's encouraging to me about yeah. Monty Williams is that we went into the entire season with the concerns of this guy is just talking at us. He's preaching, you know, as if he's got his Bible in hand going into the season, talking about <laughs> things like culture and good organization, mm-hmm. positive organization, mm-hmm. teammates that rely on each other. We knew his backstory. We knew the words that he was telling us from from the press conferences, but that doesn't really mean anything until the first tip-off of the regular season. And once that happened, we actually saw that he was a changed coach from who he was in New Orleans. And that is why it was so encouraging to me. That's the mark of a good coach, and that's the reason I trust Monty Williams for the next however many years he has on his contract. Is it three, four did he get a five-year uh, yeah. deal? He got a five-year deal, I think he deal, got right? a five-year deal. The four more years. Now, hopefully, he's actually here for all four of those years because he was one guy in New Orleans. I'm not talking about who he is personally off the court. I'm, I'm sure he's a similar person off the court. Right. But I'm talking purely X's and O's strategy-based, strategically. He was one person in New Orleans. He learned. He brought a different strategy to Phoenix. He wanted to set the goal of leading the league in assists. The Suns led the league in assists, and they led the league in assists with not the best personnel out there of any NBA team, and they did so averaging fewer turnovers per game than they did a year ago under Igor Kokoshkov. Obviously, some of the personnel changes, bringing in a guy like Ricky Rubio helps a lot with stuff like that. You can't deny that. Um, But overall, you also can't deny that the strategy changed, and that's all credit to Monty Williams actually being a good coach and being able to recognize um, when his players just fit a better system than what he used to pedal. Right, right. Uh, yeah, and I agree with that. But I think there were times in the middle of the season where uh, he maybe wasn't being as innovative as we had hoped. There For were, sure. D- never forget the two centers uh, starting. <laughs> and and as I've talked about uh, frequently, the, the way that the three-point shots have dipped in the middle yeah. of the season. The, the three-point shot thing bothers me. Do, I do have a bit of a tendency to think, like, the two-center thing... 
didn't we kind of blow that out of proportion? You know, it's so easy for people like us. We watch every game and then we have to talk about every game every week. Um, and for any fans who were, no, who were no. in that same boat with us, <laughs> it only the whole thing only lasted like a week and then it was over. With. Yes, but it was one of those things that was so obviously bad as an idea and then very bad in actual uh, when it was actually done. And, and, and things like that were there... It, from its inception, it clearly is a bad idea. I think you kind of they deserve any sort of hate that they get for that because <laughs> uh, because if even every single person that hears about it is like this is a really bad idea. That's not how basketball is played now, and it turns out that the exact opposite is what ended up working. I think uh, something that we had been peddling since the beginning of the season of just starting Kelly and McHale and just going with the exact opposite. And I think the one leeway I'll give him is the number one pick wanted to do it. Like that's something that DeAndre Ayton wanted. And I think as a leader, you give him a chance and say, that didn't work. That clearly didn't work. That that might be better for morale. That might be better for working with him in the future that you can actually point back at it and say, you know, we tried that. You're not a power forward. You're a center. Maybe that's better for the long run that you have that to point to when DeAndre Ayton starts talking about that again uh, in six months or whatever happens in the future. <laughs> uh, but but it was a bad idea from inception. And I think that's why I don't think it was blown out of proportion. I think, you know, we were all kind of right on that one. But that's what I worry about. So when the playoffs starts, what are his instincts at that point? You know, the playoffs, I'm, I'm, I'm going the bubble, if you will. <laughs> when the bubble starts, what will his instincts be? Um, any other thoughts on that before? You know, we still have over, you know, over a month, a month, yeah. basically almost two months. <laughs> Good news for starts. us. We had plenty of content to fill this episode with. Bad news. What the fuck <laughs> do we talk about until June 22nd so, or whenever hey. they actually report? Um I think we'll figure something out. Here's something. Did we go over the rest of the schedule? So there's going to be the regular season. Um, but then just the set dates. Currently, it looks like the lottery is going to be August 25th. So that yeah. will be in the middle of the playoffs as it normally is. Yeah. The NBA draft, October 15th. This is what's really interesting to me. So mm-hmm. that the date, the tentative date for Game 7 of the NBA Finals would be October 12th. Yeah. The draft is going to be October 15th. Free agency, October 18th. Yeah. Three days. Three right. days between usually draft Twitter and NBA Twitter in general gets like a two week kind of warm up period where the draft happens. You focus on nothing but the draft for like two months. It happens. Yeah. And then you get like a month still or, or like three weeks or two weeks at least before free agency actually starts where you kind of get yeah. to focus on own in on that period. Um, GMs and front offices are going to be really busy during this period. Absolutely. And They've had the, a lot of time to prepare. Here's the even more important thing. They're talking about a November 10th training camp for the beginning of next season. And a December 1st beginning of the season. And a December 1st beginning of next season. Remember, remember five years ago. You don't think that's happening for sure? You think it's going to be Christmas? I think that it'll start later than December 1st. That's my only prediction there. Okay. Well, here's the, the players are not going to like that, though, especially the ones. I mean, I that, wouldn't that like it. The, the finals, if I'm a yeah. player, I don't like yeah. that. No, I don't like that at all. If I'm yeah. LeBron James about to enter my 18th exactly. season, they gave me two weeks vacation like I'm some yeah. fucking drone in you know, any other honest. company. Any other Joe Schmo in America gets two weeks off a year. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. October 18th is the start of free agency. November 10th is the start of training camp. You're giving GMs three weeks to fill their whole roster. That means, remember what happened with Eric Bledsoe several years ago when he held out for like a month and a half? That can't happen this year. 
Right. Negotiation stalling can't happen this year. Right. Basically, everyone's going to fly off the shelves in the first week. Maybe there will be a couple holdouts, but but holding out this year in free agency, it sounds like that basically means not making up your mind for eight or nine days and then ultimately deciding because you need to pack up your shit in your personal life and move to your new city to report for yeah. training camp. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that deals are being made right now, <laughs> like as we speak. You know, they're not going to wait here. And as much as they're trying to crack down on tampering, this is a very odd offseason. Christian call Wood it uh, wants to win. Man, yeah, that win. was an interesting tweet. He just tweeted, I want to win. Uh, I don't know what that was. Is he already trying to put pressure <laughs> on the Detroit Pistons? It's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very, very interesting. Trying to put pressure the on the Suns to win eight in a row to prove yeah. that they can win. They certainly <laughs> would win with Christian Wood. Yeah, I mean, they could think I mean, maybe really not good. a title, <laughs> but they'd win more. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> got to keep them uh, wanting to listen to this podcast. Maybe they'll win a title. Um, something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, did you watch? There was a, tw- I think, tw- like a 20-minute Okay, video? so I almost didn't want to cover this out of spite. But, but because we are the practice facility podcast of the Suns podcast <laughs> realm, we have to cover it. Here's my thing about this. Let's just say what it is. Okay, I I always the, jump into not even saying what it is. So you Suns, go ahead and talk about what I, it is. I don't think that very... When I watched this video, it was like a few days after it was posted, and there was like a couple hundred videos on it, uh, views on it, I should say. And this was the Phoenix Suns released a video of Robert Sarver with a cell phone, uh, just sort of walking around the practice facility as it's being constructed and explaining what everything is. And I actually, I'll be honest... I actually really enjoyed it, but go ahead and give your opinion here. It's too fucking easy. (laughs) Too fucking easy. It was so shocking to me that I saw this video. And y'all have been bitching about Robert Sarver for years. You know, like it's it's been a constant decade of, of complaining about the man's incompetence. He shows up with a cell phone once. He probably has someone on the side, some techie, to teach him how to how to press the record button. He walks around for 15 minutes. He talks about it. He posts the video. I'm looking at the comments on the YouTube section that are all like, wow, I'm actually really glad Robert Sarver did this. I, I like Robert Sarver now. Like, what, what the fuck is that? Come on, guys. You're that easily swayed? Like, I'll pull up, I'll pull up the video right now. I'll read you some of the comments. Uh, all I'm saying is Sarver's not getting away with it. I'm not that easily swayed by this. However... You know, I, I do think it was a good idea for him to do it. I think it was yeah. a very good idea for him to, to post this for the fans. I think it was a good idea to make the video. I think that he specifically made the video himself so that he could get those types of comments, though. I think that was a strategic plan here. But I just, just for the record, just put it on the record before we actually get into the, the details The top of this comment on the YouTube section is I thought this was actually a pretty cool thing of Sarver to do. What is the uh? What is the name of the? Is it like Sobert Rarver? <laughs> <laughs> the, the name of the person? That? Yeah, Gary Sarver. It, it is Joey <laughs> Joseph. What is Robert Sarver's son's name? Okay, we'll skip that. I don't want to. We be should blocked. skip that. We should, yeah, <laughs> we should uh, skip that. <laughs> um, here's what I'll say. Uh, he bought the team in what two thousand three. Four, I 2004. think. 2004. It Something took 16 like years to get a practice facility, and it's still not done. Uh, and they were in the oldest arena that anyone plays in in, in the NBA. So let's not uh, fall all over ourselves to praise him for this. They needed a practice. How long has Jared Dudley saying the Suns need a new practice facility? 10 years? Yeah. L- literally 10 literally, years. Literally 10 years. Now, I will give Sarver credit for he's going around in this tour. He's talking about, you can tell he's a money man. 
You can tell he's a man who thinks with his bottom line. He is a man of high-class America, and you can tell that because he walks around and he says, these pillars are from Germany. They're very expensive. Like, you know, he, that's how he thinks. He thinks about people brought him things People brought him things to sign off on, and he, yeah. he, he thinks in terms of the, the price. But the, yeah. he's, he's right. Price correlates with, you know, the end result. It, it's not everything. It totally matters in but this it matters. scenario. Totally and here's matters. what I want to say. Just... This is a great practice facility. They and it, there's a guy who does YouTube videos that actually tours practice facilities, and I've watched almost all his. Clearly, I'm very interested in practice facilities. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that. And I want to say that, from a perspective of comparing it to some of the better teams, some some of them that I watched recently were the a tour of the Boston Celtics practice facility and a tour of the Indiana Pacers practice facilities. I watched videos of that recently. And, and just comparing it to those, this is a top-of-the-line practice facility that is on par, if not better, than those practice facilities. So the Suns are doing something really great here. And this is what we were hoping, and you and I have been begging for since the, the beginning of this podcast, since we met, probably, yeah. at, at this point. And just some details on some of the stuff that they're doing here. Well, here's, It should here's, be done relatively soon, by the way. It looks like it's almost done. Yeah, it does, and, and that's exciting. And, and here's why it matters, because I thought actually what Sarver said in, in the video that was really cool. He was like, the idea here that he had to buy into is... Is that your Sarver impression? <laughs> no. That's, I, can you I, do one? <laughs> I don't have... No, I don't have a Bob Sarver impression. <laughs> okay. What he was saying, though, <laughs> is that... Uh, fuck, now I lost my train of thought. Um <laughs> What's important about building a new practice? Oh, my God. What's important? All right. You want to keep... Here's what it is. You want to keep the guys there. You know, you don't want them going out on the town necessarily. Like this is a James Jones thing. Even for basic things. There's a barber. There's going to be a barber in that practice facility. There's going to be a barber shop. There's confirmed chefs. They have a gaming room with Xbox and PlayStation so that they can game there so that they don't have to go home. He wants them to game there. He wants them to play (laughs) on the golf simulator there. Yeah. There's a barber there. There's a, there's Obviously, a, there's the chefs there. there. I mean, that table. just makes sense. There's the pool table, the standard like pool table, poker table, uh, ping pong. I think that's all standard. But like the point is, you want them to spend as much time as possible there, even in their downtime. More time they spend together, more they mesh on and off the court. Yeah. Uh, and theoretically, the better basketball players they will be. That yeah. is what Robert Sarver said at the end of the video. The better basketball players they'll be if they spend more time together. That's the message he was trying to drive home. And, and I really do think that resonates. Absolutely. It's important. And I think it's important for recruiting. Uh, I think it's important for the players to actually improve and spend time there. Uh, like James Jones says, I, at the he wants them to be able to sleep there if they want to sleep there, which is something Leandro Barbosa did <laughs> when he first joined the Suns on the I mean, floor of the locker room because shit. they did not have a proper uh, training facility. Uh, two full courts. They right now have one court underneath the court in Talking Stick Resort Arena, which apparently has all been torn down now. They will have two full courts, which he included a tease saying that the Suns will have an alternate court. So they'll have two floors next season for the arena, which could be interesting. Finally, they're doing something interesting for the fans that has no purpose other than being cool. Uh, it's just cost money for him. And, and it's great that they're doing that. Uh, a big part of the Kevin Pelton piece, the famous piece about the goat shitting on the floor of Ryan McDonough's <laughs> office, was that the basketball operations and the general management were on two separate floors yeah. of the actual facilities that the Suns use currently. And they said that in his talking to previous people who worked at the Suns, there felt like a separation because there was a physical separation 
of those two offices. Now, looking out onto the two courts are the office for Monty Williams directly next to the office for James Jones. Those two actual departments, if you will, for the Phoenix Suns are now all housed together in one room. This is very important. And I know that sometimes it's hard to understand symbolically uh, why things matter in businesses, but I think this is a great example of th- of an actual symbol of everyone being on the same page, be- literally being on the same floor and how that will matter going forward for this team. Making sure everyone's on the same page, that has been a huge problem with the Suns in the past. And if for Kevin Pelton to write it in that piece, it clearly was important. Now they're all in the same place. I think that matters. Yeah, it's it's a great point, Mike. And on a bit of a lighter note, I guess the only thing I thought when I saw that as he was giving the tour is I hope those walls are thick. Um, because wouldn't it be a little bit awkward if you're in Monty Williams, if you're Monty Williams in his office and you kind of <laughs> hear you kind of hear some trade rumors that maybe you shouldn't be hearing or some coaching yeah. rumblings. Uh, yeah, were you on the were you on the phone with Tom Thibodeau, James? <laughs> <laughs> Why were you yeah. calling Tom? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, I just think it's great. I think that they're doing it right, which I think y- there's not a lot of opportunities for us to say that they're doing things right. There hasn't been in the last 10 years or so with the Phoenix Suns. So in this case, they're doing it right. And I want to say down, even down to like design features, because it's on. I know that not everyone that listens to this podcast is in Arizona. In fact, it's probably, well, it's over half the people that listen to this podcast. Uh, and I think a lot of people that live other places have at least been here. Everyone but you, Sam. Uh, uh, it's And it's, not for a while. Yeah. It's got a, it's in Scottsdale, well, sort of Phoenix, Arcadia, where you can see Camelback from the building. And what they've done is they've lined all of the walls uh, that face Camelback with windows and they've allowed the ability of those walls and windows to open so that the entirety of the practice facility now has a sort of indoor outdoor feel, which is to say that it allows them to sell the weather and how beautiful Phoenix is during the season. Uh, as far as weather goes to players when they're visiting, now there is a field where they're taking advantage of the elements. They're actually trying to use the building to showcase what makes living in Arizona uh, good in the time of year that the players would live here uh, because it's not in the summer. Although who knows <laughs> with the season starting December 1st, who knows what the season will be now. Uh, but during that time of year, when players do visit, I think they did a really smart thing with actually taking advantage of something as small, as small as that is. I think that, what makes it good is that they're looking, taking the small details and doing them right. So, uh, you know, shout out to Robert, shout out to Bobby, <laughs> Bobby Sarver for, for, uh, actually inviting us to his YouTube channel. What would have been funny is at the end of the video, uh, Robert Sarver was like, Hey, don't forget to like, and subscribe. Don't, and here's my Patreon. <laughs> smash that like button. <laughs> don't forget to hit that bell. Get notified when good old Bobby Sarve <laughs> puts up new YouTube videos. <laughs> I hope he keeps posting. Yeah, no, I actually really liked it. I did enjoy it. He said he's going to do it at least once a month until it's done. Did he say Uh, that? Yeah, he said he's going to try and come. I watched the whole thing multiple times. This is how much I enjoyed it. Uh, First time, laughing a a lot. Second time, trying to focus on the details, including the chef station. Now I have a theory. Uh Uh-huh. On Reddit, Uh for the past like six weeks, up until like two weeks ago, Uh there was this guy. Who would post the Talking Stick Resort renovations every week? He would post pictures okay. for us every week. Have we mentioned okay. him on the podcast? No, no, we have not. 
Well, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. And he got a lot of karma doing it. I mean, people really liked this. They they came together. They they just enjoyed seeing the pictures. It, it was something nice to look at. While at this time, everyone was quarantined in their rooms. Um, that guy got fired <laughs> by the Sun's organization for posting those pictures. He did not have the authorization to do so. <laughs> I wonder if that went all the way up to Robert Sarver. Robert Sarver fired that man himself, but then uh, wanted to take the idea of, hey, there's a lot of... Wait, 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 wait. Did that guy really get fired? Is that true? He said that, well, it's Reddit. It's unconfirmed. But okay. he deleted the post, and then he said in the post, hey, guys, this is like an edit. You know, the reason I deleted the post, I had to delete my account. Um, or I had to delete the post because I got fired. Then I think he deleted his account, something like that. Oh my God. Some sort of order. Yeah. I I feel like a lot of people don't know that. No, I didn't know that. Did Robert Sarver fire that man or was it someone underneath Robert Sarver? It could have been the, it could have been, he could have worked for the construction company too, right? He didn't necessarily have to work for the He probably, here's the realistic thing that happened. He worked for the construction company and it was some sort of breach of contract under, uh, under the contract that, yeah, the construction company had with Talking Stick Resort Arena, but but what I like to think happened is that Robert Sarver direct, <laughs> directly fired him and He's then like, wanted to take all the credit. I can get some of that credit. sweet, sweet karma. He was like, yeah. I can get that karma. I'll, t- I'll buy a smartphone right now for the first time in my life and hike out. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. Robert Sarver was walking around filming this with a smartphone. He's had flip phones, as far as we've known, the entire time he's owned the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that's why I said someone probably had to show him how to use it first. That's a good point. Maybe they they strapped a GoPro to his chest or something. (laughs) 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 By the way, um, I had the opportunity uh, about a year, maybe a little less than a year ago, to apply for credentials to be uh credentialed for the we had an in if you will to be credentialed to be a journalist at the games this last like 20 minutes of us making fun of robert sarver is exactly why i ended up not doing it (laughs) because i have a feeling that if i were at the games um he he would have found out he would he would have found out about this conversation and we liked it for the record we liked it but i'm not sure i could have gotten away with uh, saying everything that i just said well just to end the conversation on a on a positive tone I, I think we're on the same page that that robert sarver did a good thing here <laughs> and we enjoyed it we enjoy the content um we're just poking fun at him yes as if, looking as if forward we're to friends. the ultimately we're looking forward to the practice facility we're very excited yeah. and uh also, that was a hilarious video, and I'm glad they did it. And ultimately, I'm glad they did it the way they did it. I think it created interesting content uh, for just, what it was. Just gave us 20 minutes of, of stuff to talk about. I think we talked about the practice facility more in today's episode than we did about the suns coming back. <laughs> well, it is our beat. It's our beat. Once yeah. it's open, I'm going to try and get in there and get an actual tour for myself. I'm, you have I'm to make the promise it. to me that if you ever do become credentialed to cover the suns in some sort of legit way, you're just you're only... You are the practice facility beat. Like you're allowed, you're allowed to be there at the games, and you're allowed to stand there in the scrum next to like Dave King and Kellen Olson yeah. and Gina Mizell and whatever. But yeah. like you have to only ask irrelevant questions to players about. So how do you like the yeah. practice facility? The golf simulator? Is it really? Yeah. How's the feel? Does it really make you feel like you're on a golf course? What did you think of that underwater treadmill? <laughs> does, it, does it feel cool? Do you think that they let me in there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'll be my beat eventually. All right, we should probably end this thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, like, for good, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. Who knows when we'll be back at this point? 
the entire but, world sort of di- dictates what this podcast is now. That's true. Last thing I'll say, though, is if that schedule that's proposed actually happens, where the NBA basically doesn't have a coherent offseason, and we're covering the draft and free agency in the same uh-huh. week, and then training yeah. camp is like three weeks later. Right. Um, you know, these these erratic episodes that we've been doing where, you know, sometimes it's not consistent. Hopefully there's not much more of that for like the next year. Um, because yeah. if there's consistent basketball for a year and a half, whether the players like it or not, we're going to be here covering it. Talking That's about right. it. That's right. We will be. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, shout out to Wild Tonic once again for sending us that awesome kombucha. Give it a try if you can. Uh, we'll be back soon. Hey, Mike. Right. I'm so sorry to interrupt us. Get us off track. There's a massive spider. I have to kill it. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> And then what the fuck is this? There's something else here. I don't usually have a lot of bugs. I don't even know what this is. What is that? Oh my god, it's like a beetle. Fuck. <laughs> I might have to put this at the end of the podcast. This is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.